Welcome to today's podcast with Crosspoint Church, where we share the gospel and we share our lives. With so many fun and new exciting things going on at church, we want you to be in the loop. So make sure that you check out our Facebook page and that you check out our website at www.crosspointwaverly.com. And now for today's message. What a morning already, and God's not done yet, right? Amen. Hey, during our offering each week, we talk about Kingdom Builders, and uh, Kingdom Builders is our funding initiative for global missions, local church expansion, and future Christian leaders. At the beginning of the year, we set out with a bold, audacious goal to give $275,000 to global missions, local church expansion, and future Christian leaders. Let me give you a reminder, last year was our very first year that we ever did anything like this. And we set a, what we thought was an extreme goal of $200,000, and over $260,000 came in last year. Let's give God glory for that. So this year we set a goal of $275,000. You can go to our website, www.crosspointwaverly.com, click on the Kingdom Builders tab. In it you can find a message that I preached at the beginning of the year as well as a PDF version of this booklet that will list off some of the projects that are here. And we funded a number of them, but there are some that we've yet to fund. And what we've set this up as is we know that some of you joined at the beginning of the year with Kingdom Builders. But there are some of you who've since been added to our church and you don't even know a whole lot about Kingdom Builders. And so each year we're going to do a miracle offering in November where we ask everybody in the church to bring their best gift. And so if you've been giving towards Kingdom Builders, pray about what God would have you give above and beyond what you've given to Kingdom Builders. And for those of you who haven't jumped in yet, this would be your opportunity on November 14th to come with your best gift and let's fund the rest of these projects. So we'll be talking more about this in the next couple of weeks, but wanted to give you a heads up so that you can be prepared uh, for that. I love when the Holy Spirit orchestrates elements in our service, and today, from the beginning of worship to even the moment that we just had with Romeo, you're going to see where some of these pieces just tie together with the message, and so I'm just grateful for their sensitivity to the Spirit and want to say thank you to them. How many of you have ever said or ever heard, I'll do it? Tomorrow, right, a few of you have uh, said or heard that. Some of you are like, maybe the last six weeks, isn't this like the seventh week that you've been in this series and telling the same joke over and over? Yes, it is. So, uh, and what I'm about to tell you is we're about to continue our series, and I'm going to set you up for success. The series is called I'll Do It Today, not I'll Do It Tomorrow, because there are some things that are far too important for us to put off till tomorrow. This simple phrase has been the delayer of dreams, the destroyer of relationships, and the downfall of people. Many wake up each day and they think that they'll have the rest of that day and tomorrow and the next week and the next year, but we're not guaranteed tomorrow. And so we've been in this series called I'll Do It Today. Oh, I love you. I love you. I'll do it today. That's right. So in this series, we've talked about how today is the day to choose community over isolation, we talked about how today is the day to choose forgiveness and to trust in God. Today is the day to dream again. And a few weeks ago, I talked about how today is the day to train and condition for this race of faith. Last week, I talked about Sabbath. Nick, uh, thanks for that plug earlier during the announcements. If you missed any of these messages, I would encourage you to listen online at crosspointwaverly.com or Spotify or find us on Facebook. So today, as we continue this series, we're going to look at today is the day to put on the new self. Today is the day to put on the new self. 
Paul writes this letter to the church in Colossae. It's found in, our, in your Bible. In fact, I'd encourage you to grab your Bible out or your digital device or whatever you're going to turn to today. And the specific letter that we're going to look at is found in the Bible in the book of Colossians. And in his letter, Paul is bringing praise and correction to the church. He's saying, these are the things that you're doing really well. Keep these things up. And then there are some things that you're not doing so well that we need to bring some correction to and see you turn away from. Many had turned to Christ in Colossae and the church was growing. These believers had to live out their faith in an ungodly culture just like all of us. They weren't holed up in in a monastery separated from everyday life. Instead, they lived and worked around others who believed and acted very differently from them. Jesus gave his life for us that we could have freedom and forgiveness from sin. In fact, in John chapter 10, verse 10, Jesus says, The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. Throughout the Bible, we see that the way of life that God has outlined for us is a better way. Throughout the Bible, we see that the way of life that God has outlined for us is a better way. How many of you are living the life that the Bible has outlined for you and have found that it's a better way? Okay, so for those of you who aren't, I encourage you that you would figure this out, that you would read the Bible, that you would be obedient to it. The Colossians would have known this intellectually and many would have practiced it and experienced it. But Paul was either hearing or he was experiencing, witnessing that a number of the believers were not walking in freedom from their sin. And their behaviors were impacting their testimonies in a negative way. One of the phrases that I heard growing up so many times was, Jonathan, how's that impacting your testimony? How's your behavior, your attitude, your actions, whatever you're doing right now, is that hurting your testimony? Or is it enhancing your testimony? I think that's a tremendous question for us to answer today. I appreciated what Romeo said, that all of us have a calling upon our lives. And the very fact that we identify as followers of Jesus means that when we live out this life in front of others, our lives are testifying to the power of God. So are the things that we're doing currently enhancing the testimony and the power of the gospel? Or are the things that we're currently doing hurting our testimony and the power of God in our lives? There were pressures that had shaped the church, the believers in Colossae, and it still had a seductive attraction for them. And there's this biblical word that we don't use very often anymore called sanctification. When we confess Jesus as Lord and Savior and repent of our sins, then we're saved. We're saved from hell and assured eternal life in heaven. We're saved from death to life. Mark Batterson puts it this way. He says, we're not only saved from something, which is hell, we're saved to something, which is the purpose and the plan that God has for us. So again, Romeo, thank you for your sensitivity to the spirit and setting this up and teeing it up. We're saved to something. Sanctification is the ongoing work of the Holy Spirit cutting out sin in our lives. Sanctification is the ongoing work of the Holy Spirit cutting out sin in our lives. And there are some who immediately, when they become followers of Jesus, leave the habits of their old life in the past and immediately walk in their present and their future with freedom. Right? I think back to the night when I was 16 years old when my mom and dad gave their hearts to the Lord. And when we went back home that night, my parents got home, and I don't, they smoked in our house my entire life until I was 16 years old. But for whatever reason, that night they went outside to smoke the cigarette. 
And that morning, both of them, without knowing that the other was making a determination to quit, quit smoking. My dad went to a Promise Keepers event uh, that very next day, and he came back home with a wadded up package of cigarettes, and he handed them to my mom and said, I don't need these anymore. God's delivered me. And she had done the same thing, and she said to him, God did the same thing for me. And so this was a story where instantaneously they were set free from a habit that they had had for decades. But we also realize that sometimes for others, the carving out of sin might be a process. It might not happen instantaneously. But Paul was concerned that for the believers in Colossae that the work of sanctification had not worked itself completely through there, especially in their bodily relationships. And so it's in this setting that he pens this letter that we see in Colossians chapter 3. And I would encourage you, as you're already there in your Bibles, to read along. It's also going to appear on the screen. Colossians chapter 3, verse number 1. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on the things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there's not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Let's pray this morning. God, we thank you so much for your word and for the power that it has to transform our lives. We ask that over the next few moments that we would sense a demonstration of your spirit's power. Would you open up our ears to hear, our hearts to receive, and our minds to understand what you have for us? In Jesus' name, amen. In this passage, there is this instruction to put off some things and to put on some new things. How many of you have ever gotten a new suit or a new dress, and you put it on and you felt like a million bucks? Okay, a few of you. So Wednesday night, we had this special event where uh, Pastor Madison asked the youth leaders to dress up in nice clothes and serve the students. And so she had tables set up in here, and there were nearly 180 teenagers in this space last Wednesday night. It's crazy. It's crazy. And so she asked us to dress up. So midday, I went home, and I put on some black dress pants. I put on my shirt and my tie, and a shirt like this over it, and I looked in the mirror, and I said, I look good. (laughs) And then I walked out to the living room where my wife was sitting, and I said, hey, baby, do I look handsome? 
And she said yes and passionately kissed me. Just kidding. She just gave me a regular kiss. Did someone say ooh? (laughs) So I came to church dressed up, looking good. And my son, 18 years old, Jacob Bartholo, Waverly Shell Rock football captain, winners of the district championship in the first round of the playoffs on Friday night, played the bass this morning, looked at me, and he said, Dad, why are you dressed like you're from Harry Potter world? I said, shut your face, boy. So I thought that was the end of it. But it wasn't. I would face more humiliation throughout the night. I was the guard for downstairs to make sure if anybody came in that they would come upstairs. So I came up here late. And I walk up and Clint Wickham says, why are you dressed like Harry Potter? So why are you disrespectful? I went home and put my dress clothes on. I don't ever wear dress clothes. For the next remainder of that service, I was the subject of many jokes and memes through a text thread with all of the youth leaders where this picture was shared. It's unbelievable. They just didn't understand how good I looked. You can take that down. Thank you. Uh, All right. I just want to make sure. It's behind me. Take it down. Take it down. Seriously. Fisher, I take back all the nice things I said during pastor appreciation. Thank you. They just didn't understand how good I looked. Okay? And as we dive into this passage this morning, and if, as we take off the old clothes that Paul says to take off, and we put on the new clothes, there are going to be some people that don't recognize how good we look. Right? They're going to look at us and say, are you from a different world? Because what we're wearing looks drastically different than the messed up world that we live in. Colossians chapter 3, verse 1, if then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. Throughout this message this morning, we're going to look at the ESV version as well as the Message Bible, because the language in the Message Bible almost preaches this message for me today. So here's what it says in the Message Bible. So if you're serious about living this new resurrection life with Christ, act like it. If you're serious about living this new resurrection life with Christ, act like it. Pursue the things over which Christ presides. Don't shuffle along, eyes to the ground, absorbed with the things right in front of you. Look up and be alert to what's going on around Christ. That's where the action is. See things from his perspective. Paul writes, if you've made the decision to be a follower of Jesus and you want to take that relationship seriously, then act like it. He says to pursue the things over which Christ presides. And in verses 1 and 2, he says, look up, seek up, seek the things above and set your mind on things above. When we get saved, our citizenship is transferred from the kingdom of Satan to the kingdom of God. And when that transfer takes place, we now belong under the kingdom of God's laws. And we also get to partake in the kingdom's privileges. Conversion leads to sanctification. 
And when we become followers of Jesus, then we continue to seek after him and the things of him. Sanctification leads us to live an obedient life to Christ. It involves abandoning the old lifestyle and embracing the new. In verse number five, he says, put to death, therefore, whatever is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. And he goes, in, in the Message Bible, it says, and that means killing off everything connected with that way of death, sexual promiscuity, impurity, lust, doing whatever you feel like whenever you feel like it, and grabbing whatever attracts your fancy. That's a life shaped by things and feelings instead of by God. Paul is appealing to the Colossians to reject the appeal of sin. He writes to put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. And he makes this list in verse number five, and he continues it in verses eight and nine. And we're going to look at that in just a few minutes. As followers of Jesus, this list should not be ignored. This list should not be justified, and it should not be rebelled against. And so as we break down this list that believers should put to death in verse number five, then uh, I love how the Message Bible ends verse number five. He says, that's a life shaped by things and feelings instead of God. And I think that pretty much sums up the world that we live in. A primary value of if it feels good, do it, permeates every area of our culture. And so Paul writes that our lives should not be shaped by our feelings. They should be shaped by our obedience to God. How many know that our feelings lie to us? Okay, for those of you who don't know that, that's news for you today. Don't trust your feelings. Your feelings will lie to you. Your feelings will set you up for failure. But a life of obedience to Christ will never set us up for failure. A life of obedience to Christ will never set us up for failure. And the first thing that Paul writes to put to death is sexual immorality. What is sexual immorality? Sexual immorality is sexual activity outside of the bounds of marriage between a man and a woman. God's way is that men and women would enjoy the gift of sex and intimacy in a heterosexual marriage, and anything outside of that is sexual immorality. So there was this seductive pull that was pulling the believers in the church of Colossae back to their old lifestyle, which is why Paul wrote this letter, and we can see the pull of the same things on believers today. The rampant use of pornography, the divorce rate of married couples due to infidelity, the number of people who choose cohabitating before marriage and premarital sex, and the championing of same-sex relationships. And Paul writes to put these things to death. And the very next word that he uses in verse number five is impurity. And impurity is not unlike the first word of sexual immorality, but it's a broader word that includes impurity of all kinds and has more to do with the thoughts. And Jesus on the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5, verse number 27, took this idea to the next level. The first one deals, again, more with actions and the second with thoughts. And in verse number 27, Jesus says, you have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Jesus' way is that we would not only control the external actions, but that we would also take captive and control our thoughts. The next word is passion. Passion is lust that uses others for self-gratification. Right after that is the words evil desires, which is a craving for evil things. And the final word in verse number five is covetousness, which is idolatry. And this is referencing a greedy heart, and at the root of greed is idolatry. 
It's an insatiable desire for more without regard to the rights or needs of others. And in verse number six, Paul writes that God does not approve of any of these things. In fact, it says that the wrath of God is coming for these things. And in verse number seven, it says, in these you too once walked when you were living in them. The Message Bible says, verse number seven, like this, it wasn't long ago that you were doing all that stuff and not knowing any better. Right? It wasn't long ago that you were doing all of that stuff not knowing any better. And I find the break in this list very interesting between verse number five and verse number eight. And it makes you wonder if the church in Colossae was kind of like the church in America. Pastor, would you please preach on these topics right here that I don't struggle with, but you so need to preach about these. And then Paul's like, wait, hold on just a minute. I'm going to come for all y'all today. (laughs) That list isn't where we're ending today. Instead, there's some more. I'm going to get all of you. And this is what he says in verse number eight. But now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. The Message Bible, verse number eight says, but you know better now. So make sure it's all gone for good. Make sure it's all gone for good. Bad temper, irritability, meanness, profanity, and dirty talk. The second part of Luke chapter 12, verse number 48, this verse is not going to appear on the screen, but you can write it down for your notes. It says, everyone to whom much was given of him, much will be required. And from him to whom they entrusted much, they will demand the more. Paul's saying, you know better now. You can't plead ignorance in these areas. You know better, act like it. He says, you once walked in this when you didn't know any better. So as we break down these words in these verses, anger is the slow and gradual rising of emotion which increases to a white heat like that of a roaring furnace. It's long lasting and it's retained even when it's poured out. Wrath is the sudden and passionate outburst which having boiled up quickly is let out. Malice is an evil attitude of mind which is inclined to injure others and desires to do them harm. Slander is reproachful language directed against another and it can be directed at God or at man. Obscene talk is foul or obscene words. These can be directed at others as well as general cussing. And this verse says obscene talk from your mouth. But I bet if Paul were writing this message today to the church, that he wouldn't just talk to us about what comes out of our mouth, but also what comes out of our keys. That he would talk to us about what we post on social media, how we comment on social media, and how we interact with one another. Seeing talk would also include dirty jokes and our response to them. And he goes on from verse number eight to verse number nine, and he includes lying. Lying includes all deception and deliberate untruthfulness such as half-truths that convey the wrong impressions, exaggeration, and distortion of facts. In verse number nine, he says, do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. And Paul's saying, take off these old ragged things. Take off these old ragged things, this list of 11 things, take them off. And I would imagine that if people were honest in this room today and watching online and you were to do a spiritual assessment of where you are today, that maybe there are some of you who have one or more of these articles still on you. 
that the work of sanctification hasn't been quite completed yet. And if that's the case, I would encourage you to lay it down this morning, to take off those things, as Paul says, to repent of the sin and to put up boundaries and structures to not return to them. In verse number 11, he says that this applies to everyone. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave-free, but Christ is all in all and in all. Paul preaches that Christ is all in all, therefore racial barriers fall. There's neither Greek nor Jew. Religious barriers fall, circumcised nor uncircumcised. Cultural barriers fall, barbarian or Scythian. Social barriers fall. There's neither slave nor free. And Paul gives this offer for a great exchange to lay down all of the previous things and to not just lay down those things, but to put on these new things in verse number 12. As God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all, put these Above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. The Message Bible says it this way, So chosen by God for this new life of love, dress in the wardrobe God picked out for you. I love that. Dress in the wardrobe God picked out for you. This morning, Doyle Wagner walked up to me. He says, wow, I really like that shirt. I said, my wife got it for me. She told me to wear it today. And he says, my wife picks out my outfits too. From head to toe, she lays it out the night before. He said, except for Saturdays, I get to pick what I want to wear on Saturdays. <laughs> I think for far too long, there are people in this room who have been allowing others to pick out the spiritual things to put on. And some of you are listening to the words of unbelievers around you. You're listening to the culture, and you're taking this, and you're taking that, and you're putting it on. And what Paul's saying today is take all of that crap off and put on the things that God wants us to put on. Compassion, kindness, humility, quiet strength, discipline, be even-tempered, content with second place, quick to forgive an offense, forgive as quickly and completely as the master forgave you. And regardless of what else you put on, wear love. It's your basic all-purpose garment, never be without it. Paul says, take off the old wardrobe and put on the wardrobe that God has picked out for you. That includes compassion, kindness, humility, quiet strength, and discipline. And can I tell you something this morning? That wardrobe is not just for special occasions. That wardrobe is for everyday use. Today's the day to put off the old and to put on the new. So as we break down these words, compassionate hearts indicates deep feelings towards others, sympathy that's acted out. Kindness is the desire for another's good and shows sweetness of disposition. You'll remember this is also one of the fruits of the Spirit. Humility, a modest or low view of one's own importance. Meekness is the opposite of self-interest and reveals itself in gentleness. How about this one? Patience. Another word for patience is long-suffering, which is patience in the face of provocation and suffering. The next article of clothing that's to be put on is the article of forgiveness. As recipients of forgiveness, we're to be givers of forgiveness. I spent a whole message on this a few weeks ago. If you missed it, I would encourage you to go back and listen to it. And the final article of clothing that covers and binds all of this is love. In verse number 14, it says, And above all these, put on love, 
which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Paul writes that love is what binds all of this together. Our relationship with Jesus should lead us to love fiercely. Our relationship with Jesus should lead us to love fiercely. And when we take off the old, it makes room for the new. And love is the thing that ties it all together. It makes the spiritual outfit. And he tells us that as we put off the old and we put on the new, that peace will reside in our hearts. In this list this morning, if there's something of the old self that's still hanging on, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth, God's invitation is to die to the things on that list, to confess it to him and ask him for strength to be done with it, to get help. Maybe for some of you, you'll ask somebody in your life to hold you accountable in those areas. As we read this passage this morning, there's not a single sin that's listed in this passage where Paul says, you can be forgiven of all of these things except for this. There's not an exception here where Paul says, all of these you can be delivered from except for this one sin. You can't be delivered from this. The power of God can't deliver you from it. No, he says, in all of these things, cast them out and put on the new. And he says, don't just rid yourself of those things. Put on compassionate hearts. Kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And I'm just telling you, church, as we do it, as all of us put off those things and we put on the new things, people are going to ask us, are you from a different world? And our response to them will be absolutely. Our citizenship is not here. It's in heaven and we eagerly await a savior from there and we're just passing through. Will you bow your heads and close your eyes all across this room? Maybe there are some of you who've come in today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus. You say, today I wanna enter into a relationship with him. Maybe there are others of you who at one time walked with God, but you've turned your back on him. And you say, today I need to see my relationship restored back to him. In just a moment, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's you, you say, I need to ask Jesus to come into my life for the very first time, or you say, I need to see my relationship restored back to him. When I count to three, why don't you slip up your hands all across this room. One, two, three. Lift them up all across this room. Thank you. There are hands up all over the room today. Thank you, you can put them down. Let's stand. There were a number of hands that went up this morning of people who need to ask Jesus to come into their life for the very first time or who need to see their relationship restored back to him. Here's what I'm gonna do, I'm gonna lead us in a prayer and if you raise your hand, I want you to repeat it after me and mean it with everything that's within you. But know that you won't be praying this prayer alone but that each of us in support of you will also be praying. Let's pray, say dear Heavenly Father, Thank you so much for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross for me. 
I admit that I'm a sinner. I admit that I've messed up. And this morning I ask for your forgiveness. Come and give me a fresh start. Be my savior. Be my king. Take over every area. Take over every aspect. And help me from this day forward to live for you with all of my heart, with all of my soul, with all of my mind, with all of my strength. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give God praise for what he's done this morning. I want to pray over us, and then the prayer team is going to come to the front. If you've come here with any need today, we've left time at the end of the service for you to have an opportunity to be prayed over. The worship team is going to begin to sing out in the song as soon as I'm done praying, and as they do, feel free to step out from your seats today. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much that you don't leave us where you find us, but God, that you set us free and that your way of life is a better way of life. And so I pray this morning for everybody in this room, number one, to be set free of the old things and to put on the new things that you would have for us. God, we thank you that your word says that when we give our lives to you, that we become a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. And God, I pray for those just like in the church of Colossia that were still struggling with the things from their past. For those in this room today that are still struggling with things on that list, I pray that the work of sanctification would complete its process in everybody. Lord, that freedom would be experienced and that our lives would be walking billboards to the grace and to the glory and to the power and the majesty of serving you and the power of the gospel. So I pray that you would help us today as we go from here to take that all off and to walk in the newness that you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Feel free to step out of your seats this morning and come forward for prayer. Thanks for joining us. We hope that this message was inspiring and encouraging. For more information about this message or about all things Crosspoint, check out our Facebook and head to our website at www.crosspointwaverly.com.